joins us again on this episode of the podcast as we continue our series on caring for yourself before, during and post-pregnancy. My name is Nongbebo Vukile Mackenzie. Welcome to the podcast. Dr. Sebu, thank you so much for joining us again. Dr. Sebu Lubelwana is a gynecologist in private practice at Hibiscus Kate Ridge. And previously, we talked about preparing yourself prenatal care. And I liked your approach in terms of preparing not only physically for a pregnancy, but preparing emotionally and preparing mentally. So now a woman is pregnant or the couple is pregnant and... This is the journey now that they're on. Now there's all these things we're not supposed to do. There's all these things that are recommended. And every woman's body is different. So people will need different things. But what would you say are the key things to consider? Let's maybe look at it from the perspective of a first-time mom. What are the key things that you need to remember just in terms of looking after yourself as you, number one, but lo- also looking after yourself as somebody who is nurturing an entire human being that goes from a tiny little speck to a fully formed human. It always amazes me that when babies come out of the womb, there's nothing that's going to be added. Mm. It's amazing. Like, mm. it's the same eyes. Yep. It's the same fingers. Mm. It's the same. That will carry them into mm. their 80s mm. and they've had it. Mm. Since they were a tiny little thing yeah. in the womb, it's, it's absolutely, it's it's amazing. It's almost magical. Yeah. Mm. So that that magic, how do we nurture it? Mm. So um, it's realizing that you and how you take care of yourself is important. Mm-hmm. So for you to be a nurturer, you need to be nurtured. You need to be good um, ground. Mm-hmm. And like we mentioned in the previous um, uh, uh, conversation, emotionally, physically, um, mentally. So mm-hmm. all of you needs to be whole, needs to be um, connected with the fact that you are pregnant now. Mm-hmm. And your surroundings also need to adapt to that. Mm-hmm. So it helps when you have a supportive partner, supportive mm-hmm. family, mm-hmm. Um, supportive everything. But one of the main things, obviously, I mentioned um, about taking folic acid as um, something that prevents um, specific certain um, abnormalities on the fetus. So is to continue even during the pregnancy. I always say take it until you even deliver. I mean, it doesn't hurt. It can only um, help you. Taking your supplements as well, ensuring that you are attentive, you live in the moment, so um, be present in every moment during your pregnancy so that you are able to pick up when something goes amiss. Mm-hmm. Um, I always say that there is, even as a doctor, I can't know what's going on in the woman's body until she tells me. I can't pick up that there's a problem until she tells me that I have a headache or I have this or that. So be mindful. Um, throughout your pregnancy and um, educate yourself, understand what to expect. Um, patients these days are so challenging because they, they follow, they track their pregnancies. So, I mean, you have to be on the ball and know the type of questions that they may have and have the answers for those questions. Sometimes there's no answers for everything, but 
you know, we just have to explain to them what we can. And when there's no answers, there's no answers. There's, there's no explanation. Like my obstetrician used to say to me, oh, what can I say to you, Sibu? You know, I, I don't know what, that, what causes that butt pain. I used <laughs> to have this butt pain and I think it was calcium, but there's no like specific thing that would cause it. So I thought it was calcium because whenever I took calcium, it would be better. So and my doctor would say, I, I can't tell you, I, I can't tell you lies, you know, because <laughs> you know it all. I can't make a diagnosis. I can't make it up. <laughs> <laughs> so just be mindful throughout the pregnancy and know the warning signs when there's something that um, is going amiss mm -hmm. um and uh, you know when when you fall pregnant we always want you to go to nine months and have a positive outcome but there's always that chance that mm -hmm. something will go amiss something will go wrong so don't miss any of the symptoms that are alerting you that there's something going wrong you'd rather be one of those people who are a pest um than be one of those that miss important signs that something has gone wrong what are those important signs to look for yeah so uh, bleeding at any point in the pregnancy is not something that you can ignore um, it's always something that means something sometimes usually in the first trimester it could just be an implantation bleed but rather go in see your doctor mm -hmm. or go into the clinic and get reassurance with okay there's nothing uh, going wrong. We do a scan. Um, if you're at that point where we can see something on ultrasound, we reassure you and tell you that, oh, okay, no, everything is fine. The mouth of the womb is still uh, closed. Um, there's, uh, it was probably just an implantation bleed. Mm -hmm. um, if there's something that's threatening the pregnancy and mm -hmm. maybe there's an infection, then we'll treat the infection while it's still early before it progresses to become something um, more sinister. Mm. If, um, uh, again, I'll draw from my own experience, I um, had an, uh, um, well, we don't call it incompetent cervix anymore because our language, we're changing it because, you know, when... To be friendly. Yes, <laughs> when a doctor tells you that your cervix is incompetent as a woman, what you hear is that you are incompetent. Mm -hmm. So I had cervical insufficiency, which mm. meant that my cervix would just go soft and just want to open before time. Oh my goodness. In the second trimester. Oh my. So I had to have a, what people call a stitch to keep my pregnancy. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, and that's something although that can only be done when uh, that happens in the second trimester. In the first trimester, if something uh, goes wrong, I mean, it's a miscarriage. We just need to investigate if there's anything that caused the miscarriage and then treat it. Mm -hmm. um, if it happens in the second trimester, the option, if the cause is that cervical insufficiency, mm -hmm. the option is to put a stitch. Mm -hmm. So be mindful, listen to your body and know when something is up that there is something that's not right so that you can get help immediately. Okay, so you said look out for bleeding? Yeah. 
Headaches are another um, important symptom that you need to look out for. Really? Yes. Headaches can just be because of the physiological changes or the hormonal changes that happen in pregnancy. Okay. But if they are persistent and they are associated with other symptoms like epigastric pain, um, pain in the upper part of your abdomen. What is epigastric pain? Epigastric is ishaba or is Oh, oh right? okay. Yeah. So those can be signs associated with hypertension okay yeah especially when you're in the second or third trimester i didn't know what you can come and listen to for this bob epigastric pain oh my goodness yeah so when you have those symptoms just um report to a, 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 a clinic or especially immediately um headache blurred vision mm-hmm. Um, some people can actually have a, an extreme um, uh, symptom or extreme symptoms with that where they go they lose e vision yeah temporarily during the pregnancy oh, really? I don't mean to scare people but I'm just saying that before it gets to that when you're feeling that blurred vision and dizziness and a headache epigastric pain those are all symptoms that are indicating that probably blood pressure is high okay so those are symptoms to look out for bleeding um, okay. so all of those are things that will indicate that you need to see your doctor um, immediately diabetes that occurs only during pregnancy yeah so that um, can develop at any gestation mm-hmm. um, so in the first trimester second trimester or third trimester mm. people who are at risk are people who have a family history of ushugala mm-hmm. uh, or who have had in their previous previous pregnancies have had ushugala in mm-hmm. the pregnancy who are high body mass index so is sindosabo mm-hmm. Um, um, or people who develop other symptoms like diabetes, like omega kulu, or kamenjalo. Well, kamenjalo is a bit, you know, in pregnancy can be, <laughs> it can happen just because you're pregnant. Or ube netrash njalo njalo. Those can be symptoms that can indicate ushugel. Okay. So, um, you need to, or umundone pp as well. Those are people that we um routinely check for a diabetes and and if he lay a developer in pregnancy within 24 hours after delivery mm-hmm. it normalizes but it also means that you are at risk of long-term um, oh yeah. diabetes yeah okay all right would it be passed on to the baby no no okay. no, no. but right. it would mean that the baby needs to be monitored for 24 hours mm-hmm. because during the time uh, or pregnant and you have these um, um, metabolic issues, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there are things that we need to monitor. Sugar control, yeah, because mm-hmm. so metabolism mm-hmm. So we monitor those babies for 24 hours, monitor sugar because up and down mm-hmm. um, because they, they are outside of you. They're mm-hmm. developing their own coping mechanism, basically. Mm-hmm. Besides those warning signs and besides the, the very obvious things that should concern you, just generally, um, 
amen kukhona abantu abaye bathi bathandiswa umqaqo abantu bathandiswa inhlabathi abantu bathandisa izinto ezahlukahlukene some people say you know it really changes nothing for them yeah. they carry on as normal so you always encourage just to lie down and rest don't do too much on the other hand kube khona bathi nje aye ukukhulela nje akusikhona ukugula kubeka nje as per normal what is the happy medium okay assuming so, you've got no problems and no issues like low no risk yeah so yes so kulelo is not a pathological so axona is kulo mm-hmm. um umzimba um automates itself to accommodate the fact that um your body is going to be taking care and nurturing for the fetus there are physiological changes that happen that accommodate that there's increase in your blood volume for example there's uh, various other uh, physiological changes hormonal changes that happen just to accommodate this growing uh, fetus and the fact that you are going to be um physiologically taking care of your body is going to be taking care of the fetus mm-hmm. so there are those changes that happen to accommodate that so it's not an illness but for some people it does either highlight whatever um issues they have underlying so they only diagnosed in pregnancy mm-hmm. so then those people need to take extra uh, precaution mm-hmm. and um they need to take care of some conditions actually improve like some connective tissue disease they improve in pregnancy somehow mm-hmm. so akfan my experience is abantu afan some people have never had any issues in one pregnancy but in their second pregnancy they have an issue awafanama pregnancy and it depends on um where your body is at galesoskat mm-hmm. the circumstances surrounding the pregnancy as well um akfan mm-hmm. yeah and okunyekeza zenzakalela automatically but um akukuthi you need to rest in fact umuntu who is active is a good candidate for an easy pregnancy mm-hmm. a person who remains active who it encourages the body to enhance even those physiological bodily changes that happen mm-hmm. so that they are even more optimal and if umuntu exercises ayo for example just because you're pregnant it doesn't mean you stop exercising mm-hmm. um because your body is used to it already mm-hmm. but if you haven't been exercising don't start when you're pregnant mm-hmm. um especially with something excessive you can maybe do light walking but nothing excessive because your body may struggle to cope with it because mm-hmm. it's not used to it mm-hmm. but if you've been exercising by all means continue mm-hmm. doing what you've been doing even mm-hmm. before um so there's no a uh, sort of contraindications to what you can't do this except in specific conditions. Mm-hmm. Um for example if you have cervical um insufficiency. Mm-hmm. Um uh one other thing that maybe people can uh say limit sexual intercourse during pregnancy. So there's no evidence to support that you need to reduce during i mean it's what got you to where you are <laughs> and, and and it it nurtures your relationship with your partner as well mm-hmm. so there's no contraindication except in specific conditions so if for example after a stitch or 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 if you've got cervical insufficiency you may be advised that okay no intercourse for you because of that specific condition mm-hmm. if you have placenta previa which is a condition a condition where a placenta or umzanyan comes before the baby mm-hmm. so 
that puts you at an increased risk of developing a bleeding mm -hmm. um, during or after intercourse. And then you can bleed torrentially such that it puts a threat in your life and the baby's life. So those specific conditions, I'm just making an example with, mm -hmm. with those conditions that you may be told that you, you shouldn't have sexual intercourse during mm -hmm. the pregnancy. But otherwise, for any other person who mm -hmm. does not have a risk factor for that particular thing, mm -hmm. you just carry on as normal. Mm -hmm. And you can uh, um, work until the day before delivery, basically, mm -hmm. um, if everything is going well. But for some people, maybe they swell up so much or they have hypertension, they develop this condition or that condition, then those people need to, those are high-risk pregnancies, which cannot be treated like a low-risk pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, you talked about, that. that's quite interesting, where you said the placenta comes before the baby? Yeah. How does that happen? It just... Um, it's, it just happens. So people who are at risk of that are people who've either had a previous seizure, so there's a scar um, along a, a certain portion of uterus, a spell letter sap. Okay. So what happens is during implantation, the placenta doesn't want to move away from there. It will stay in that area. Okay. And then it doesn't move up as the pregnancy progr progresses. So... Normally, most for a person to be able to even deliver normally, Fanegusikanda or the buttocks, the breech first. Okay. Um, but in that situation, the placenta will be at the bottom, will come below, and then you can't deliver because you can't deliver the placenta or Romzanyana before you deliver the baby. Otherwise, it puts the baby in danger. Okay. You need to deliver the baby first and then the placenta. Okay. So those cases are a straight Caesar. There's no two ways about it. So th that can be picked up. Yes. Okay. Yes, right. that's yeah. one of the things we do as we are or we assess for, as we do the ultrasound. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All mm -hmm. right. So just to um, capture it concisely, um, your antenatal care. Yeah. So if you've been exercising keep exercising yes. moderately yeah. and, and you know if yeah. you're just starting to exercise again keep it light yes. just you know but it's important to keep moving eat healthily look yes. after yourself minimize your stress yeah. and any warning signs yeah. there's no yes. yeah. right. and if i can just add the first visit is to risk stratify a patient mm -hmm. so that we can know what is this pregnancy likely to just be a low risk pregnancy mm -hmm. or is it a high risk pregnancy where we need to take certain specific precautions mm -hmm. um, where we need to add certain uh, supplementation or certain uh, medication to mm -hmm. minimize uh, any further risk if you are a high-risk pregnancy. Mm. If you've had EPP in your previous pregnancy, for example, you need to mention it to your doctor so that you can be started on isendangering or aspirin to minimize the risk of uh, complications to both you and the fetus. Remember, Tina, as I'm an obstetrician, the mom is more important than the fetus. And mm -hmm. that baffles people because they always say, save my baby and not me. But if we make sure we have a healthy mom, mm -hmm then we're keeping the potential, even if she loses the pregnancy, but she still has the potential to fall pregnant again. Mm -hmm. I mean, we never want any pregnancy to be lost. Mm -hmm. But should it happen that, you know, we need to choose between fetus and mom, we always choose mom, healthy mm -hmm. mom, mm -hmm. to optimize mom first before mm -hmm. we can talk about the fetus. Mm -hmm. Because you are the potential 
mm-hmm. to something else. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we lose you, that's it. Mm-hmm. It's finished. Your potential is is gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it just in in preparing for it let's say it's not your first pregnancy mm-hmm. you said pregnancies are not the same and you know people will assume that you know oh, I've done this before yeah. I've done this yeah. before. this is my fifth one yes. um and they'll assume that you know if you've had the first one there's there's always this thing with I went and jengo binga nyakho qala enzo mbona kwa yesibili ay yobenga satatazeli kanje ke besekura ke benga sayinaki into yeningi but you you never know where you're going to land with 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 it and I'm, and I'm sure it causes some anxiety because because i'm thinking okay, if you've already got one and you like you're adding another one you like you basically think it didn't cost you low say akhuluma say akwazi thai fit sengi la man is oh mhlawu mbi bavele balamane doze uthi how enkosi you know ngisa busy nalo sekhona umuntu oh kube ukuthi mhlawu like i i look at myself and my my sister and my brother there's a 12 year gap mm. between me and my sister mm. i can only imagine what my mother felt because <laughs> she would have been like oh i've got a preteen and now i'm going to start from scratch mm-hmm. and there's a 6 year gap between my sister and my brother mm. so the, the one is going to grade 1 already and then you know there's an infant some people would be like beautiful that's wonderful spacing at least yeah. oh my goodness that would be so overwhelming because yeah. how do you prepare emotionally and mentally regardless of is it pregnancy number 2 number 5 and also just to align yourself mentally emotionally and physically to the toll it would take on on your body yeah because in example the first one you had on a 23 mm. and at the second one you having on a 35 and mm. the, the third one you having on a 42 mm. and your body is different it's different decades your body is different mentally you're in a different space and you're meeting a different human when yeah. you're at a different phase of your yeah. life yeah yeah so uh, firstly it's important to know what will work or what you are planning um to work for you mm-hmm. you know we always make plans they don't always happen <laughs> the way we plan but it's important to know what it is that you want um whether you want a big gap or a small gap in mm-hmm. other words um generally we always say that it's better for your physio- for for your body to recover at least um 18 months mm-hmm. in between our pregnancies mm-hmm right and especially if you've had complications like oma hypertension we always say give your body 18 months to recover then your chances of having oma risks for the next pregnancy are minimal mm-hmm. um so generally even for any other pregnancy that's why uh, majority of mabeto i think they they kind of knew this but oh, let me not say majority because you just gave a totally <laughs> different scenario <laughs> let me say my mother waye <laughs> banama two year a, um, age gaps in mm-hmm. between um my my I'm the last born in between my bigger sisters and and and, and there's three of us mm-hmm. yeah so um that's generally the the norm and you just need to work it out for you what will work for you mm-hmm. that's what worked for your mom for mm-hmm. example to have that big gap whether it was by plan or by you know at some intervention how it happened and you also need to be prepared for how things pan out for you mm-hmm. sometimes you can plan that you want a two year gap and it just doesn't happen mm-hmm. or you may want uh, very rarely will people want a, a shorter gap mm-hmm. than that um but things just pan out differently so you've just got to adapt to a situation as it is um 
I think when we were having conversation earlier, I did mention to you that I was worried, for example, in my situation that mm -hmm. when I was falling pregnant for the second time, mm -hmm. I, I always worried that um, am I going to be just as excited for this one? But mm -hmm. I found that when it happened, and I didn't want to fake any feelings, you know, I wanted things to just happen naturally. And because I got to that stage where I had prepared myself mentally, physically, and emotionally. Mm -hmm. Then it just happened um, that way. I was just as excited as I was for the first one. But every pregnancy will be different, of mm -hmm. course. This is a different child. Um, and as much as you may think, I've done this before, so I sort of know how it's going to go, but you actually don't. Mm -hmm. And Uguba yet is different from Uguba Numtano and mm -hmm. a totally different dynamic. Mm -hmm. Like, I thought, I've got this. Mm -hmm. I've been here before and I know how to do I know how to do everything. But you don't know how to manage two children. Mm -hmm. So that's something new. And you don't know how to manage this new baby because they are a totally different person mm -hmm. and with a totally different personality. Mm -hmm. My firstborn, for example was so easy with breastfeeding, was so easy on many things. Second born was colicky and she just wouldn't latch on. And I had plenty of milk, but she just wouldn't latch on and she just was not feeding well, mm -hmm. like I wanted her to. I had to start mixed feeds quite early on because she would take on to the bottle easier than to breastfeeding. And that frustrated me because I enjoyed breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. But that's just the person she, she was. Mm -hmm. And later on in life, she didn't like, she doesn't like till today. I'm a dairy product, and I think that started from, you know, her rejecting Ubi's mm -hmm. at that time. I'm a dairy product. And she's not allergic. She just doesn't like them. Mm -hmm. So I just had to quickly adapt to the fact that, okay, I'm not going to breastfeed this one mm -hmm. to the point that I hid it because I don't know why I put so much pressure on myself to breastfeed. I hid it from everybody that I wasn't breastfeeding for a whole month. She stopped feeding for two months. Mm -hmm. In the third month, I just pretended like I was breastfeeding her. And I don't know why, but we do that to ourselves as women. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we just put pressure, unnecessary pressure on ourselves. And later on, I realized that who am I fooling? Who am I kidding? Because I'm only kidding myself. Mm -hmm. You know, no one is saying anything, but... I just put so much pressure on myself mm -hmm. and, and that's what we do as women, which we shouldn't do. And we just need to adapt to each pregnancy and each baby mm -hmm. as we go along. Dr. Sibu, thank you very much. Thank you. Becoming a mother is such an important part, an important step in a woman's life. It comes with many changes, it comes with many challenges, and it comes with many pressures. We thank Dr. Sibu Lubelwana for being with us on this series talking about prenatal, antenatal, and postpartum care. And thank you for listening.